It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Fantasy Points Podcast. This is a pre-draft podcast here the 2021 nfl draft is forthcoming less than two weeks actually just over two weeks from today when we're recording this on wednesday april 14th i am john hansen of fantasypoints.com our guy mr greg cosell is on the line and he is the man mainly behind the 2021 draft guide year number two of the guide let's welcome in greg and let's uh, talk about greg's process and cover, let's call it six secondary prospects. We all, boy, we're all talking Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts and Trevor Lawrence. Let's go a little deeper here just to give the people listening to the pod a sample of the greatness that is Greg Cosell's analysis. <laughs> Good morning, Greg. How, how are you? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what to say in response to that, John, but I think I'm doing okay. Now nah, you're doing fine. And um, before we get into it, just talk about Someone who is not familiar with your work, someone who might not be much of a draft nick and all that, if they go to fantasypoints.com and grab the draft guide, you can download a PDF and we'll also be continually updating this. You can re-download it. But more importantly, if you're on a smartphone, iOS, Google Play, download the app. It is a beautiful combination of simplicity and sophistication. You can read all the content on the app, but for someone who is not really familiar with you, Greg, I mean, what are they getting with Greg Cosell's analysis here in the draft guide? Well, the first thing they're getting is detail and thoroughness because what I do, John, uh, is I sit, uh, fortunately because of being at NFL films, I have access to college coaching tape. So I'm sitting here watching full games of players and I watch multiple full games of players. So for me, in most cases, I'm watching at least three games. And that is particularly true of defensive players, where you really have to watch them in their entirety. You can't just watch good plays. You can't just watch highlights. For me, it's about the process. Because what we're trying to do here, and this is what I do, is you're trying to project and transition players to the next level, to the National Football League. And as we know, there are so many variables as to why certain players might make it and other players may not the way we think they might. So I try to put all that into perspective and present it that way. Um, Basically, what I do is I have a strengths, a weaknesses, and a transition section. And the transition section is particularly important because that speaks to how I see players transitioning to the league, which, of course, is a big factor in what you do, John, which is then the fantasy projections. Does the criteria that you're the elements you're looking for, the attributes to assure that transition goes well or I guess not well, has that changed over the last 10 years or so? Have you rethought the whole process here in the current day and age and maybe a player who 20 years ago you would have thought, well, I don't know if he fits the NFL game. All of a sudden here in 2021, the player kind of does. So have you adjusted that process? 
Well, the process doesn't change. The NFL game changes and evolves so that the way that players project and transition does change. But my process doesn't change. Gotcha. I'm very fortunate, and uh, people may or may not know that um, I created and have uh, now been hosting for four years uh, or analyzing for four years on the NFL matchup show, but I created that concept back in the mid-'80s. It was the first X and O tactical football show, and we're still on the air since 1984. So I'm fortunate that I'm very clued in from tape study of the NFL to all the tactics, the schemes, the strategies of the NFL. And you have to know that in order to place college players into the NFL. Um, There's very few college players that come out with what we would call transcendent traits that where we would say they're going to be great no matter what system they're in. There's not many of those guys. There's far, far more, probably 90% plus of players who need to be deployed and utilized in given ways in order to be successful in the league. And that's what I try to do. And you're not a rankings guy per se. Luckily we are. And the rankings of these players are our consensus staff rankings Yours truly, Joe Dolan, Tom Brawley, Scott Barrett, Graham Barfield, Wes Huber. We all kind of came together and, and formed consensus rankings. We also have a mock draft in here that was last updated a couple of weeks ago. We'll, we'll probably throw throw an update or two there. And also for those who are really into what is known as a Devi League, where you're actually now, Greg, drafting college players who are still going to play college football the upcoming fall – you're drafting them already. Like we're digging oh deep. We're goodness. gonna we're gonna be scouting out, you know, grammar schools in another twenty years or so. Like Apparently, that. yeah. I yeah. think you're moving in that direction. We are, we are. But you're 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 the meat and potatoes here, uh, the crux of it, and it all is about these pending rookies here in the upcoming campaign for the upcoming campaign. So without any further ado here, and again, fantasypoints.com, head on over to the website. You can't miss it. If you'd like to order, you can add a subscription, obviously, to the site, or you can just buy the Greg Cosell and Fantasy Points Draft Guide. Of course, the app as well. If you create a login for the Draft Guide, you'll be able to download the app. Your login will work for the app. So we can't stress that enough. People are loving the app, Greg. So let's get into it and uh, break down just a few, I thought, secondary types. For example, at quarterback, let's go Trey Lance. Played only one full season at North Dakota State as we know, led them to the FCS National Championship. Of course, all quarterbacks apparently there, Greg, do that. I believe Easton Stick did it as well. 16-0 record, 28 touchdowns without a pick last year. Like, How disappointing was it when you watched the tape knowing that, man, I wish I could have seen Trey Lance in 2020? Oh, I felt that way for sure. I actually watched him last summer. Um, the, unfortunately, the pandemic summer 2020 um, and watched about eight or nine full games of Trey Lance. And, uh, you know, you're dealing with a high level t- traits prospect. You know, look, the one thing I always say to people, because at this time of year, John, with all the mock drafts or mock guesses, as I call them, but the mock drafts, you would think that all 32 players chosen in the first round are going to be Hall of Famers. And my guess is that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I try to tell people that no player comes into the NFL as a finished product. 
And if you speak about a player, his strengths, his weaknesses, if you discuss some weaknesses, things that he needs to improve, it's not a dislike for the player. People who know me know that, and I hate to use the word dispassionate because I'm very passionate, as people know about what I do, but this is not about likes and dislikes. This is about studying tape. And the tape tells you what a player's strengths are, what a player's weaknesses are, what he needs to work on, what he'll need to be coached on, perhaps what kind of scheme fits him best. And that's particularly true with quarterbacks. And Trey Lance is a guy with a strong live arm. He's got outstanding athleticism. One of the first things you notice when you put on North Dakota State tape is how often he plays under center, which is rare in in today's college football how often they run what I call conventional play action, where he's under center, turns his back to the defense, then has to snap his head around and refocus on the defense because the defensive players will not be in the same place they were before he turned his head to the defense. He played with a fullback, so there were a lot of two-back sets. These are things you notice when you watch Trey Lance and – you have to decide as that's why I said so much now gets to the transition part. You have to decide as an NFL team, what that means to you, which is one reason I'm sure, for instance, that the 49ers at three and maybe the Falcons at four with Arthur Smith now being there coming off his tenure with the um, uh, Titans, where they played with the quarterback under center quite a bit and a lot of two back sets, which is why you think of it in those terms. You try to project and transition. You don't deal with these players in a vacuum. lot to like overall. And I kind of struggle. Like I know he's a new age quarterback and all that. And, and he's athletic, quick twitch, all that. But it feels like he kind of has a little bit of everything. You mentioned under center in the shotgun. Feels like he could be a pocket passer if need be, or a second reaction guy. Feels feels like he could be a ball distributor. Feels like he's got a pretty big arm, yet he could also throw it pace and touch and timing. So we'll get into maybe the negatives, but boy, everything you agree with everything I just said, right? I mean, there's a lot to like. The career could kind of go in a number of small little different directions here. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot of words that are thrown out that have become sort of platitudinous words. You hear things like, well, he's raw. No one says what that means. They just say that. Um, You know, I think that if you're looking at some things that need to be worked on, I would say that his delivery at times can become a little elongated, and the ball will drop to waist level, and the motion Mm. becomes wide, so it's not compact. You want to tighten that up in the NFL. Is that like Wentz? Is that like Wentz, by the way? It's a different kind of throwing motion than Wentz, but they're right. both they're both elongated. Right. But exactly. You're not going to change it totally. You know, he's not all of a sudden going to be Aaron Rodgers, but you can tighten it up. Um, I would say that overall, he needs to, to. And this doesn't. This is true of most college quarterbacks, by the way. He needs more experience to learn and develop a more refined feel for progression reading concepts because they were fairly straightforward in college. And yeah. by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. The Not college coaches, their job is to win games. Yeah. Um, I don't think he made a lot of throws in the middle of the field in 2019. So I think that's something which, by the way, a lot of college quarterbacks transitioning to the league 
have difficulty with because of the hash marks. The college game tends to be played on the perimeter much more than in the middle of the field. And a lot of college quarterbacks come into the NFL and because the hash marks are closer and there's more route concepts in the middle of the field, John, they feel like there's 15 defenders out there. So that's just something that you've got to learn to deal with. Um, and I thought that his ball placement, while it wasn't scattershot, and I wouldn't say, oh, my God, he's got a problem. Yeah. I thought he did miss a few too many routine throws in 2019 with ball placement that wasn't as pre- precise as it will need to be at the NFL level. Not being lazy here with the analysis, but he does kind of sound a little like Carson Wentz here coming out of North Dakota State. Um, I mean, they're different, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some of the same concerns. Yeah, yeah. Well, without any further ado, and you could read the entire profile here on Trey Lance, of course, in the guide. Let's move on to another quarterback, probably going to be a day two pick. Kellen Mond at a Texas A&M, another sizable guy at 6'3", 211, ran a pretty good 40, four-year starter at Texas A&M. I watched him a couple of years ago. I wasn't that impressed throwing it to Jay Sternberger, but he did get the ball to Jay Sternberger, another athletic athletic type of guy here, Greg, but you know, a pretty pretty easy thrower, right? Ball placement, not not too shall, uh, shabby here. Uh you know, there there does seem to be a fairly considerable number of positive traits here that you see with Kellen Mond. Yeah, and and I think he's one of those quarterbacks that a lot of coaches will feel that they want to get their hands on and develop. Um I thought he was much better in 2020 than he was in 2019 because I watched significant tape of 2019 as well. I thought that his ball placement was much more consistently precise in 2020, uh, particularly on tougher throws, mm. tougher tight window throws, which, of course, you we know you need to make in the NFL. All now, great signs, Greg, all great signs. Without question. Now, he's a good athlete, but I think at his core, he's a pocket quarterback. Now, there's a, he's a perfect example of something that will be changed as soon. It might have been changed already, but yeah. as soon as he gets to the NFL, it will change. Yep. Is He would hold the ball right under his chin, John. Yeah. And if you think about this, limiting. in sport, you can't do anything with your hands right under your chin. It yeah. just prevents kind of smooth, fluid, athletic movement. So, and and what that led to was it led to his upper body being stiff on his delivery and a very tight throwing motion. That'll be changed. It'll be lowered so he can be more fluid in his movement. You know, if you just you can be sitting at a desk and if you just move your arms back and forth when they're more like chest to sternum level, it's so much more comfortable doing that than if they're up right under your chin. So that'll be changed. Um and then that impacted, by the way, his deep ball throwing because he just couldn't drive the football. Um, but I think that he has the look of a very schemed quarterback who needs the pass game structure to work for him. Um, and by the way, most quarterbacks are like yeah. that. There's very few who don't need that. Sure. And that's, right. the way the game is, that's the way the game is coached. No doubt. Um, no doubt. He'll be a fascinating guy. I, I thought when I finished watching him, and as I said, I watched an awful lot, I wonder if there'll be a legitimate comparison made by some coaches to when Dak Prescott came out of Mississippi State. Because don't forget, Prescott was a fourth-round pick. No doubt, no doubt. You and I interviewed Dak Prescott at the Combine, you and I. Uh, that is correct. At that time. And, uh, you know, no idea he was going to be as good as he was, um, by the way. But Mond, 
do, do you do you see him eventually being a guy who could play under center consistently in the NFL? Yeah, I think he could. Um, you know, I, he struck me as a guy, and again, this is where so many variables come into play because this is where you say, hey, you like a guy, you dislike a guy, and then people think, whoa, he didn't make it, you were wrong. Well, yeah. Mond is a classic case of a guy that where he goes, who coaches him, what the process is, does he have to play early, um, what kind of team is he on, many, many variables will dictate what he can become. And I think that he's got traits to become a quality NFL starter. Now, having said that, I don't want people to say, well, if he doesn't make it, oh, you said he'd be a, a starter. Well, like I said, there's so many variables. But I think I think he has traits to be that guy. You are listening to Greg Cosell, a special edition of the Fantasy Points podcast here on April 14th for the recording. Some pre-draft discussion on Greg's analysis on, well, he's got over 160 players now in the Fantasy Points draft guide and the app obviously available at fantasypoints.com. Before we get into some running backs, a mention that support for Fantasy Points is Brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FP2021 at manscaped.com. Unbelievable. It is a real pain, Greg, to, well, say uh, scaped, if you will. So we, we do love manscaped here, Greg. Uh, no comment from you required. You're all about football as we move on to the running backs. <laughs> Greg, uh, how about Kenny Gainwell? Great name out of Memphis, 5'11", 201, ran a 4'40", played only one full season at Memphis, sat out 2020, and obviously, Greg, uh, first and foremost, you know, Gainwell played over Antonio Gibson, basically, in 2019. Well, Gibson was really a slot receiver. Right, right, right. But still, I, I, yeah. I still think of it, though, knowing what Gibson did in the pros – thinking, well, that guy was a slot receiver back in 2019. I know he had like 36 grabs or whatever, or carries for uh, Antonio Gibson. But back to Gainwell, like I said, good size, pretty strong frame. You know, kind of be a, you know, a lot of uh, velocity, as you say, Greg. Um, shifty, good versatility. I mean, again, a lot, a lot, of, lot to work with here in the toolbox on, on Kenny Gainwell. What does stand out to you? Is it the receiving? Is it the complete game of Gainwell? What is it? I think it's probably the fact that he's complete. He was, to me, as good a receiving back as and is as good a receiving back, in my view, as there is in this draft class. And he kind of is the model, I think, for what a lot of teams now look for. I wouldn't say he's quite the same athletically and explosively as Alvin Kamara, because few are. But I think he presents in the same way to an NFL offense. Uh, when you when I watched his tape from 2019, I mean, this was a guy that lined up in the slot. This was a guy that lined up outside uh, and ran wide receiver routes. 
he had, he was lined up at times at boundary X. I mean, this guy is a really, really good receiver. Um, and, you know, we see someone like Kamara work those two-man routes in New Orleans where he's the offset back to the boundary and Michael Thomas is the boundary X, and they run those two-man route combinations. Gainwell could easily be that guy working those two-man route combinations with the boundary X receiver. To me, he's a big-time prospect in the way – in the deployment way that Kamara is. In other words, he's not going to carry 280 times. You could give him the ball 150, 160 times, but he'll be really effective as a receiver because he can run routes effectively at all three levels of the defense. Some of the other, I don't want to say, I don't even want to say negatives, but just just realities here that aren't like, oh my God, he's great at everything, but not a home run hitter. Was Alvin Kamara a home run hitter? I know it seems absurd to say. Um, I mean, Alvin Kamara's just got lighter feet. You know, right. I, exactly. I can't remember he ran away from everybody, yeah, but exactly. Alvin Kamara just has lighter feet. I mean, Alvin Kamara almost has looks like, and I was fortunate to be on the field at a, a preseason game and where he went through his pregame workout and he wasn't even going to play in the game, but he just has the, he looks like a ballet dancer. I mean, he just has Ridiculous. incredibly light feet. So it's not a, really an indictment if you say, you know, he's not the greatest inside runner. He's not a home runner, but home run hitter. But, you know, not being like an incredibly powerful inside runner no, yards after initial guy. contact guy, does that mean that he might be a little bit more dependent on where he lands in terms of their ability to utilize him, particularly the versatility? Without question. Yeah. Again, it's the same point. Yeah. Yeah. He has to go somewhere <clears throat> where – the offensive philosophy, and you would think they would draft him based on this, knowing yeah, what yeah, he exactly. is, yeah. where he's used in that way. I mean, look, we're seeing that in the NFL now with backs. Um, we, we've seen it with Kamara for a number of years. I know it kind of hurt you in fantasy this year, but it seems as if the Packers have made that same decision with uh, with Aaron Jones. Instead of him being a foundation runner and carrying 260, 270 times, they see him more as a guy that will carry 200 times. So – Maybe teams are moving in that direction. Uh, that's hard to say, but I think Gainwell falls into that latter category yeah, much it. more. He's not a foundation back. You know, he's totally. not going to be that guy. If you recall, I, I kind of was on that last summer. I, I said that Aaron Jones reminded me of Alvin Kamara in the passing game, and maybe they want to team him up with Dylan and make it like a thunder and lightning thing. Let's well, and on. she kind of knew that when they drafted Dylan because you right. don't draft Dylan sure. in the second round if you're not you know, totally. If you're not planning on playing him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. Trey sermon out of Ohio state, Greg played three seasons at Oklahoma. As you know, four-star recruit out of Georgia, six foot two fifteen. There's a lot to like here as well. Pass the eyeball tests. Looks like a professional runner overall skill wise, talent wise. Is he good enough to kind of, well, start an offense with. Is he good enough to potentially develop into a foundation guy? Um, I really like Trey Sermon. Uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, you get caught. we get caught up in backs, and we know how people feel about backs. We know that there's this sense now that, that backs don't matter as much. We're not going to debate that, but he probably wouldn't be viewed as special, but I think he's your classic sustaining competitive back. Um, 
I just thought he had the look and feel of a mature professional runner, patience, vision, a feel for working in confined space, good balance, finishing traits. Um, can he be a quote unquote feature back? You know, and of course the answer is yes, because look, we saw James Robinson be a feature back for sure. the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. And Trey Sermon is far more talented than, than James Robinson. So yes, can he be? Of course. Um, I wouldn't call him purely shifty. I wouldn't call him elusive. He's not explosive, but he is workmanlike. He's efficient. He's competitive. Those backs find a place in the NFL. You know, he tested pretty well, Greg. I mean, relatively well. Does that help? Because you seem to like the tape. So when a guy comes out of the testing process and we feel even a little bit better about him than, than maybe we did watching the tape, you know, you marry the two. That that was, I mean, it can't hurt, right? At the very least, the fact that he, you know, tested pretty well, Greg. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a 215-pound back. I mean, he, you know, he, he's not going to run a fast 40, which he didn't. But that's, right. you know, to me, that's not relevant. You know, he kind of reminded me of, and, and when I say reminded me, in, in, in that they were professional runners. He kind of reminded me of Cam Akers coming out of Florida State. Um they both embraced the physical nature. They both had a very good feel for reading defensive fronts, both pre-snap and then on the move when gap uh, when gap integrity changes. Because obviously gaps are fluid. When the play starts, the defense moves. So I just thought that there was uh, a really good feel to Sermon as a runner. Kind of overlooked to some degree in this draft. Wouldn't I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be the best back in the draft. You know, but it wouldn't surprise me if this kid ends up again, all dependent on where he goes, John, and ends up being a really quality feature type back. And and saying that for, from a fantasy perspective, I don't think he's going to get 300 carries, but I think he could be, he could ultimately be a foundation back. Has decent hands, right? So he's not a zero in the passing game. So we'll see about that. Um, not exactly. And by the way, he did pretty well in the vert and the broad. Not exactly a creator, right, Greg? Maybe if that's uh You know, and again, I'm not sure what that means, John, and I'm not knocking you. Yeah. You know, I hear that about backs a lot. Can you he know, make an unblocked guy miss? Uh, can he do that? Um, he's got some wiggle. I mean, he's not, you know, yeah, he's got some wiggle. Is he, is he going to be one of those guys where you go, oh, my God, look at that move? No. Right. But right. he's got some stop and start. He's got quick feet. You know, I went back and watched him in Oklahoma, too. He had some good years there, and he he's a little juicier than you think. I mean, yeah. you know, he's not. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's there's a lot to like about this kid. Let's go to wide receiver with Greg Cosell and the Fantasy Points podcast, a little pre-draft special edition here. We're just kind of giving you a taste of the analysis in the draft guide over at FantasyPoints.com. It's for sale right now. It comes with an app, iOS, Google Play, the greatness of Greg Cosell, on your phone, in your pocket. I mean, I always go to the doctor office thing, Greg, because there's nothing worse than being bored in a doctor office. <laughs> you go to the doctor's office, you're waiting around, like, what the hell? You know, just pop out your phone and study up on these prospects. Wideouts, Greg, Rashad Bateman. First and foremost, you know, six foot 190. And that dude looks bigger than that on film. Greg. Way bigger, way bigger. You know, another guy I watched last summer, too, because he had a great year in 2019. And I was watching him last summer, and I'm thinking, boy, this guy's a big dude. And, yeah. You know, he came in at 190. I, I, 
He don't just get that. plays bigger. He does. In fact, when I watched him last summer, because he looked so much bigger, I kind of thought he reminded me of Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson. And right. obviously, they're over 200 pounds. Yeah. And he's not. Because I'm but, going Keenan Allen, Greg. Yeah, he just looks bigger. But I like him. I mean, I think he's got size. Uh, let's put it this way. He plays big. He's he, He's got yeah. size, stride length, route running, separation quickness, hands, run after catch. I think you can line him up outside. You can line up in the slot. We, we lined up a lot in the slot in college. I like this kid. I mean, I think he's going to be a really good NFL receiver. Not a vertical guy, but maybe that's um, where I maybe that's where I got the Keenan Allen comp. By the way, I hadn't not heard a Keenan true Allen vertical guy. Not 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 a burner. He did run a fast forty, but all forty times this year seemed to be fast. Yeah, um, you know, he just looks I like a savvy technician, Greg. That's what he is. I was just going to say his stride length and his route running savvy give him a vertical element, even though he's not just going to run by people. A lot more on Rashad Bateman on the draft guide in the draft guide over at fantasypoints.com. Let's move on over to another potential first day wide out here. Terrence Marshall out of LSU. Sizable guy. There's another guy who looks a little bigger than the size, I thought. Uh, very good hands. Catching radius, all that route running was pretty good. By the way, you know, watching him a little bit, you saw any uh, similarities to Denzel Mims from last year on Terrence Marshall, Greg? Mm, interesting. Um, I didn't immediately think that when I was right. watching him, but I guess to some degree. Um, I mean, you're dealing with a long, fluid receiver. He's he's an easy mover, but he has some suddenness and explosiveness to him as well. I mean. I like the traits that this kid has. I, he was a guy I really liked. I watched him last summer as well. And then, of course, this year until he finished playing. Um, he's got size. He's almost 6'3". He's got length. He's ha- he got hands. He's effective at all three levels. He's got vertical ability. He had some really good run after catch plays. I, the big question for me with him, and this will impact fantasy, obviously, John, is can he become a volume number one guy? I don't think that's going to happen as a rookie. But I think he does have the traits to be that guy. You know where it might work out initially, at least. How about KC? You put him out there, give give them some size on the outside at 31 overall. What do you think of that? I mean, he wouldn't be a volume guy in that offense. But, you know, Travis Kelsey can't play forever, for example. Yeah, I mean, he, he fits that team for sure. Um, and if he did go there, he certainly wouldn't be a volume guy. Right. Not year one. Exactly. But. But that's good for a rookie. You know, yeah. He's on in there. No, no, but he's – I really – you know, because they have so many receivers, it seems like receivers and corners at, at LSU. So I remember watching him last summer, and obviously he was playing with uh, Chase and Jefferson last – you know, in 2019. Yeah. And he really stood out. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's better. You know, that's – there's so many things that go into that. But Marshall – and by the way, he was a big-time five-star recruit. I mean, he's they, – they, LSU gets receivers now that are big-time recruits. I mean, one of the top wideouts recruits in the nation that year. He was. He um, came out of Bossier City, Louisiana. By the way, Jamar Chase, I, I said today on the radio that, you know, I went back and looked at the last drafts. I'm just trying to say, like, Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver since and actually went OBJ. So that was seven years ago. What are your thoughts there? I feel like 
you know, Chase is, I don't know, he's he's not a generational talent, but I'm like, maybe he's a every six, seven year type of talent. Uh, I'm always leery of saying things like that, yeah. John. Okay, you know. all right, all right. I mean, well, I like him to me then, you know, that's my role. Yeah. I, I really um, like Jamar Chase. I mean, I, and he was, <clears throat> for people who know me, I mean, Jamar Chase, I don't want to sit here and say I gushed over him, yeah. you know, and normally I don't do that, but I loved his tape. I absolutely loved his tape from 2019. I mean, this guy's got a type A personality. The guy he reminded me of just the way in which he played with Steve Smith. That was fascinating to me, by the way. I mean, um, just the way in which he played. Type A personality, super competitive, um, you know, not super big, but not small by any means. I, he was over six feet, 201, had an unbelievable pro day for whatever that means. It means something because that's why they have them. Yeah, I mean, it matched but, the tape. So there you go. Yeah, oh, marriage. In some ways, it was better than the tape. Yeah. I, I, wasn't, wow. I didn't think he'd be that True. fast or that yeah. explosive. Yeah, so if you download the PDF version of the draft guide at fantasypoints.com, you may see a section where there's a huge white space. That's probably Jamar Chase's page because, Greg, you had like four words to say about his negatives. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you didn't have much there. Uh, no, I don't think there's a lot of negatives with this kid, to be honest with you. I mean, um, you know, there's always things to work on, but I'm talking about – like I, I made the point that his 2019 tape did not show – any significant weaknesses that to me would minimize a successful transition. That's the way I saw it. Let's bang out a, a tight end here real quick. Pat Fryermuth. We all know Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, but Fryermuth likely the second tight end off the board here at a Penn state, not nearly as sexy as Kyle Pitts and others, but good size moves pretty well, soft hands, all the stuff that you're looking for here. Um, might this guy in the right offense, could he, could he handle volume? Could he be a go-to guy? And, and could yeah, he I, yeah. I think tight ends are all a function of offense. I mean, yeah. I, 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 and I've had this conversation with a number of people. Think about Zach Ertz came out as a second round pick, good prospect, not special, you know, good prospect, got into an offense where he became a big time volume guy and put up ridiculous numbers. Um, you know, could Fryermuth be that guy theoretically? Sure. Um, God, I thought Hunter Long out of Boston College could be that guy theoretically too. You know, it all depends on where you go. Um, you know, Fryermuth is not explosive, but he's got some route quickness to him. Um, I think that his blocking needs to get a little bit better, uh, but I think that will get better. Um, he kind of reminded me of Heath Miller when I watched him, a guy who was a first-round pick, I believe, played yep. 11 years with the Steelers, finished with almost 600 receptions. You know, Fryermuth is going to be a um, an effective receiver at all three levels, not a burner per se, yeah. but he can work the seams, very good in the red zone, um, very good on third down, and I think those two situations and areas are, are critical in the NFL. He's a good prospect. I wouldn't call him, you know – it's like I said, Zach Ertz. He could be drafted 35th and have a great career. Right. Different player than Mike Kosicki, right? Oh, not even. Completely in- different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I bring it up because they both went to Penn State, of course. I, guess, yeah. I assume Fryermuth replaced Kosicki, obviously. But um, all right. Well, great stuff there, Greg. I think we can wrap it here. It's a little bit more of a, just to give you a taste, a little bit of a teaser in terms of the content over at fantasypoints.com, the draft guide is up the greatness of Greg Cosell. I'm telling you, 
It's a uh, great reading. Educate yourself on this class. You'll, uh, people will look up to you. You'll, you'll be really smart. You know, women will find you more attractive or men, if that's your thing. You <laughs> well, know? I don't, I don't know about that, John. I appreciate well, that, but you know, well, no, see, Greg, I have a theory on this and, and here's it. Here it is. If you do well in fantasy, you are happy and you become a little bit more self-confident in yourself and women can sniff that out. So I say, Hey, Subscribe to FantasyPoints.com. Women will find you more attractive. Or, again, we can go the other way with it. Whatever you like. Greg, great stuff. As always, you'll be uh, back in the film room here. So we've got 160 profiles in the in the guide. I, I, I guess got, I, have a, I have four more that I finished that I'll get to you today. So And then I'm just watching tape. So we're, we're just grinding away here, John. You are closing in on doing profiles for almost the same number of players who actually will be drafted. Right. I mean, and, least- and, and you know, I'm a one man scouting guy here. You know, this is not, I don't have a staff where I say, Hey, can you watch these guys today? I have to watch these guys. It's unbelievable. Um, everyone loves to hear Greg Cosell do radio spots. You've been coming on my show on Sirius XM, Greg, for 15 years. Everyone loves it. But I'm sure there's many people thinking when you end the spot, like, damn, I wish I could get more of this guy. Well, there it is, fantasypoints.com in the draft guide. Uh, Great stuff as always, Greg. And we'll reconvene after the draft. We'll do our little live streams, all this good stuff that we did last year at fantasypoints.com. But uh, enjoyed the podcast, Greg. Uh, You go back to that film room and do what you do, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, John. Thanks, my man. For Greg Cosell, I'm John Hanson. This is the FantasyPoints.com pre-draft podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.